Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, the Talent Surgery, the Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of FinTech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Alia Cooper, head of EMEA Compliance Framework Financial Crime at HSBC. Alia has spent nearly 20 years within the financial services sector and brings a wealth of experience to the diversity, equity and inclusion debate. And today she's here to share her story. So welcome. It's great to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here. So it would be brilliant if you could start off by telling us about your current role and exactly what that means and entails. Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I'm part of HSBC's compliance organisation. And if anyone who knows anything about uh, banking these days knows that compliance is a really important subject for us. I work as part of our financial crime team, which means that we're working to prevent the bad people from getting into the organisation, basically. So we deal with anti-money laundering, sanctions, fraud, terrorist financing and, and any, anything of that nature. And, and the role of the, the part of the organisation that I'm in is there to, to provide that defence against uh, those bad actors who are trying to take advantage of our financial system. God, I bet that's, that's a really interesting fascinating. space. Yeah. It, it is absolutely fascinating, yeah, yeah. Um, and really important, really important. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's great to just share this side of the financial services world because a lot of people wouldn't, like if you say, you know, work at HSBC, is that what people would think of immediately? Probably not, but how fascinating is that? So I think what would be really good for our audience to hear then is if you could share your journey to this position because it's great for us to know a little bit more about you and your background and, and what got you here. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't, a, I didn't take the direct route, let's just say that. So I, um, at university, I uh, went to the University of Manchester and I studied um, anthropology, social anthropology, which for anyone who's looking for a, an interesting uh, subject, I would highly recommend it. Um, but I had a summer job there in uh, Manchester Computing Centre and just randomly, one of the, the guys I was working for asked me to do some programming. Um, and so I taught myself uh, a computer language out of a book. I don't claim to have been particularly good at it, but I, it was enough to get by. And when I graduated, I thought to myself, well, wh wh where's a good place to go and work? And I thought, well, IT is good. There's probably going to be some jobs there. But I was in a sort of slightly unfortunate position because I hadn't done a technology degree. Um, and there weren't many organisations that were open to, to non-technology specialists joining um, in technology roles. The 
only organisation that I found with a graduate programme that was pretty open to people like me was British Airways. Um, and so I joined BA on a grad scheme and, and learned a computer la uh, language there that was used for some of their operational systems. So I, I worked there for a few years and, and then in a few other, um, in a technology consultancy. Uh, then I went to Tesco. Um, and then from Tesco, I went into the financial services industry in a sort of change management, project management type roles. And, and that's where I've sort of remained ever since. Um, I, I joined HSBC without any um, prior knowledge of the, the financial crime space. I, I came in on a strategy role, but I really enjoyed the area. As I said, it's it's fascinating subject. It, it really feels like you're part of um, an important sector of the bank that, that's there to protect, protect the industry and protect society um, from bad actors that want to take advantage of the services that we provide. Yeah, absolutely. And what a wonderful journey for you to share with us. Um, and I love that. I mean, imagine, it's almost like sliding doors. Imagine if um, that individual hadn't said, oh, can you help me with this? Would you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have done actually. No, it, it, you're, you're absolutely right to pick up on that. So it was, he was a geography PhD student and I was helping him with uh, basically to begin with just sort of administrative work around some census analysis that he was doing. And, and yeah, I mean, and, and it turned out I actually did have an aptitude for computer programming, which I never would have yeah. known, never would have dreamt I had. Yeah, that's, that is fantastic for us to hear because, mm. you know, I, I, love, um, I love people being able to take things away from these podcasts and, and just every opportunity that comes your way. Like if you can try something new out, try it because you never know that this could be the beginning of, of such a wonderful career that, you know, it's taking you down. It took you to BA, it took you to Tesco, it's got you here today and, and what a you know, fantastic role that you're in right now. Um, so while we're talking about that, that kind of career as a whole, um, I always love to ask, um about the biggest challenges or even like the biggest one challenge that you've had to overcome it'd be good to hear your initial thoughts on that yeah i i, th I think like probably like a lot of uh, a lot of people and and you know often uh, i think it's people from minority represented groups i think the biggest challenge for me has been a sort of combination of self-confidence and that kind of imposter syndrome you don't realize it often when you're in in the middle of it you know and, and certainly when I reflect on my career and, and the years I've spent in, in various industries, I realise now how much I suffered from, from that, you know, not always feeling like you're sort of going to be found out, always feeling like you have to do that much more than everyone else. And it, it, it's not even a conscious thought, actually. It just becomes the way that you work. And, and last year, I hosted some conversations with colleagues around the subject of ethnicity and, and talking to, to colleagues from minority ethnic backgrounds, they have the same experience. And, and that's what made me think actually, you know, oftentimes imposter syndrome is ascribed to, to females, but actually I believe that it probably affects many people who come from what I would describe as minority represented groups in the industry that they are involved in, that feeling of just not quite belonging. So I think, it didn't always feel like a conscious challenge to me to overcome that, but I recognise now that that has been a, a, a perpetual theme throughout my uh, my working life. I think that's so important that you raise that because if we look back even sort of five, six years, imposter syndrome wasn't necessarily something that was ever mentioned, but I think so many people have, as you've just said, have had to live with it and now are able to look back and recognise the, the trials, the tribulations, the struggles, the challenges that you had to overcome. And I think 
just the general acceptance that we can talk about it, the fact that you, you got a crango together and you were discussing, discussing this and um, um, within, that, within that sort of context, I think is so beneficial um, for people to be able to say, well, I, I can relate to that. I'm in that right now. And, and, you know, and, and then we can move on to, well, what are the, what are the best things to do when you're, when you're in that? Do you have any thoughts on that? It's really difficult because I think at first you have to, to recognise that it's something that you're experiencing because only once you're aware of it can you, can you do something about it. But, but to me, I think it's, we've spent a long time as individuals who are in minority groups feeling like it's our problem to solve. And that, again, that was very apparent to me um, last year when, you know, when the Black Lives Matter hit the headlines. But it's also apparent to me in the other area that I'm heavily involved in around diversity, which is around disability and, and mental health. And it's always the, the problem of the, the, the person who is in that group to, to fix it. And increasingly, I think, well, actually, no, it, it's not, you know, it's not a black person's problem to solve racism because they didn't, they didn't, they're not the source of the racism. It's actually society's problem. We all have a part to play in, in being more supportive and inclusive in the way that we go about doing our daily business. So I would say to me, I feel like, first of all, we have to recognise that we need to make people feel included so that they don't feel excluded. And that's, I think, what leads them into having that imposter syndrome. Uh, so one of the things that I personally have done because I'm a great believer in you know be the change that you want to see is to is to try and support people who are coming through not just in my organization but but any organization because the big gap that I felt throughout the majority of my career was I didn't feel like I had someone that could help me I mean I had don't get me wrong I've had great line managers and great colleagues but in terms of you know what I think you would call now a mentor mm. that was never there for, for the, I mean I have one now in the last couple of years but I spent the vast majority of my career without someone there and so one of the things that's really important to me is is to be a mentor to other people wherever I can and however I can because I think having somebody that you can talk to who is just there for you and is just there to say give you a little bit of advice or guidance or just share their own experience I think that's really valuable and I think that's one of the way for people to feel more included is to be able to kind of have somebody that they can talk to. Mm. I, I completely agree with, um, with what you've said there and, and this is actually one of my missions this year is to try and spread that word of how important mentoring, coaching, whatever you want to call it, in that, that sort of career support. Um, I think it's just so important, not just to people within this industry. I think that this should be a much more wider thing. And actually people I've been speaking to outside uh, financial services or fintech, mentoring isn't necessarily something that they talk about, but really it is so, so important. Um, and it always reminds me of one of my very early podcasts with a lady called Kimberly Lewis, who works at Hermes Investment Management. And um, she, she was born in America and she spoke a lot about the American sort of educational system. And she spoke about how, um, how people of privilege will often have daddy's friend from the golf course sitting around the Sunday lunch dinner table. And what would you hear getting spoken about? Probably finance, probably words of wisdom in the business world. Whereas people who come from less privileged backgrounds, who haven't gone to Harvard, who don't, don't have golf course friends who run companies, 
Those aren't the conversations that they're having around the dinner table. And therefore, there's a, there's a sort of mindset um, where, where you have a lack of support. So I couldn't agree with you more on the, on the mentoring piece. And I'm really glad you brought it up because I think the more we bring it up, the more that we can try and spread that word as, as wide as possible. Um, I, I think I also wanted to ask you about um, lessons you've learned and, and actually like where, where this has come from. It's, it's such a central focus for you, the, um, the, the word inclusion and the actions that you, that you do around authentic inclusion. And this authenticity is really, really important to me. And um, yes, this is the Women of Fintech podcast, um, but diversity and inclusion is much, much wider than the gender imbalance that we face. And I'm so pleased that you've spoken about mental health, you've spoken about disabilities, you've spoken about ethnicity. But um, I always like to hear, like, where, where did this come from? And yeah, a, a bit more about, about your, your background on that. Yeah, well, so I mean, I was brought up in, in, in quite a bohemian household, I suppose. And my parents were very liberal in their opinions, you know, and, and, and very open to, you know, to people from all backgrounds, all experiences. We, you know, I remember when I was a, a small kid, we, one of my dad's students was staying with us and she was a lesbian and that wasn't an issue. You know, it never was anything like that was. So I've, all, I've, I've come from a, um, a, a background that's like that. And I think the study of anthropology actually helps me because it makes you realise how uh, arbitrary and relative our, our cultural standards are. You know, what matters to us, it may not matter to someone else, but it doesn't give it any more weight or power. So I, I think I've always had a strong sense of social justice and, and, a, and an openness to, to people of different experiences and, and backgrounds. My personal journey I suppose in on the DNI side at HSBC came when I started off with me becoming a, an ally to Pride. So Pride is an employee network that we have in the organisation for LGBT people and they have a, an ally scheme for straight people to join and show their support. Um, and through that I came to learn a little bit more about in other employee networks in the organisation and I saw that they were looking for a chair of the Ability Network. And Ability is our um, HSBC network for people with disabilities, mental health, um, carers, and now increasingly we look at neurodiversity as well. And I thought, well, that, that's interesting. I, I've experienced um, depression and anxiety since I was sort of 13 years old. I have a sort of personal interest and a personal stake in this. Um, I'll, I'll apply for that position and, and I was lucky enough to be appointed. At that point though nobody would have known that was my reason for getting involved because I'd never spoken about it in a professional context. I, mm. I often describe the process of beginning to talk about my mental health experiences as being similar to somebody LGBT coming out because you can't look at somebody and know their sexuality and you can't look at somebody and know their mental health and it's the same thing you know it's it it's a decision that an individual has to make to declare themselves and to be open about what they are and, and who they are. And, and so it was really that sort of journey for me that, that started to involve me more heavily, particularly in, in the disability and mental health agenda, but more generally becoming much more involved in, in thoughts and ideas around how we make the workplace more diverse and more importantly, more inclusive. 
We always talk about lived experience, um, especially within the fintech community. Those with lived experience can, can actually, they are the real change makers because they understand it. And I think, you know, whenever anyone talks about, um, you know, why, why inclusion is so important to businesses, um, that, you know, that one of the first thing that people say is, well, if you're producing a product for a variety of people to use by partner with, whatever it may be, well, you need to have a variety of people in your business to understand the points of view. And I think that, I think it's really, really important that you, you've shared that to the level that you have done. And thank you so much for your openness and honesty, because it, it's what makes these conversations what they are. Um, and, it, and it helps people who are listening because it, there, there's um, a sort of kindred spirit there and people will be able to relate to you know, what you said. I, I certainly can. Um, so I thank you for it. Um, and I think it really leads me on to my last question around your sort of practical bits of advice to the FinTech community, to the financial services sector about having a more inclusive environment. Because I know you do so much for it. Well, I think I think one thing we all need to do is is be open-minded and explore where our biases may lie. We all have them. Um, they may be hidden from us. They may be ones that we're aware of and, and working on. And I think it's you know the first step is for people to really think about you know look around them, think about well what kind of people do I feel uncomfortable around and why and what can I do to address that or look around and say does everyone around me look and sound the same as me if so how can I you know broaden my own experience I mean I will, what I will say about HSBC is it, it, because it's an international organization a huge numbers of different people from different cultural backgrounds there. and it's and I've one of the things that I've enjoyed the most about working there is that opportunity to 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 work with people from different cultures and backgrounds and I and I think knowing people is the best way into inclusivity you know getting to know the people in your team you, you or, or the colleagues around you you'll start to see them more as as people perhaps and less as as people who aren't like you and if you don't have a diverse working environment then get out and find yourself a way to get involved whether that's through a, a voluntary activity or a charity you know there there are ways to 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 gain that experience and and get beyond the kind of stereotype of you know this is for example you know this is somebody with a who's autistic you know what 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 kind of interaction could i have with an autistic person well go go and find out and 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 you'll soon see that they're just a person like anyone else and and there's nothing holding you back in that respect so to me i think the the step towards inclusivity is to to be open to everyone and, and to be open to what they can bring into your organization and and as you said the value of diversity and diverse ways of thinking in an organization means that you will represent the world that you exist in and do a better job of reaching all of your customers because your customers are diverse yeah yeah absolutely um and i just think that um those, those questions that you just posed to people to, to ask themselves um, in, in the people that are around me right now, are we, all the, are we all the same or are there differences here? And what kind of people do I feel uncomfortable with and start being a bit more honest with ourselves? I think that is, is, is just so clear and so helpful. And I, I often will post things on LinkedIn and say, right, listen to this statement, 
Now pause and think about it. And I really feel like those, those two questions there are, are sort of pause and think about it and be honest with, with ourselves. And that open-mindedness um, is, is just so, so important. So um, thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today. Um, it's been so action-orientated. And you know, as I always introduce this series, I say, let's walk the talk. And I feel like you really have done that. You're doing it. You're, you're living and breathing it every day. And I thank you so much for sharing it with us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Women of Fintech podcast series. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I've enjoyed our conversation and um, yeah, thank you. I think it's a great, a great initiative that you're leading. So well done to you too. Thank you.